The following podcast is a Dear Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha! If you say you're an AA and then you relapse, it makes it look like AA doesn't work. And my thing is AA doesn't work for everybody and relapse is part of recovery for a lot of people. And if you know someone who has cancer and they go through chemotherapy and they still die, do you think that chemotherapy doesn't work? No, you fucking don't. You think it just didn't work in that case. So I think it's crazy to not talk about it. I don't know how it can be a thing of attraction when no one knows you're fucking in it. Welcome back to the Skinny Confidential Him and Her Show. We have such a fire episode this show. I am so excited. It goes all over the place. We talk about addiction. We talk about sex addiction. We talk about meth. We talk about crack. We talk about squirting. It goes everywhere. If you have kids in the car, I would probably not listen to this episode in front of kids. On that note, that clip that you just heard was from our guest of the show today, Amy Dresner. She's a journalist, an author, and a former comedian. She's also a recovering addict and alcoholic. She wrote one of my favorite addiction memoirs, which is why I wanted to have her on the show. It's called My Fair Junkie. And I was so attracted to how transparent she was throughout the book that I just knew the audience would love her. There's something so beautiful in just sharing your truth and owning it. And she totally does that in the book. One of my favorite things about this episode in particular is, you know, what we love to do on this show is have unfiltered conversations with things that aren't necessarily explored um, regularly and aren't explored in such a raw and unfiltered way. Amy is definitely raw and unfiltered on this episode. And I think what these conversations do is they open people's eyes to other experiences that people may have. And it also takes subjects that may be taboo and brings them to the light so that people can actually discuss them. I think it's so important, especially in this day and age where people actually start to listen and discuss things and keep an open mind. And so having Amy on the show to shed light light on addiction, sex addiction, and all the things that we dive into is so helpful because there's so many people that struggle with these things and aren't able to have comfortable conversations with everyone in their lives. And so hopefully conversations like this make it okay for other people that are struggling with addiction and any other thing else that's uncomfortable or a struggle um, so that they can actually start talking about this in an empowering way to seek help or heal or seek comfort. And that's why I love being able to do this show is that we can highlight things like this that could potentially help someone. I think that too, just playing off what Michael said, it's it's normalizing conversation like this and not like Michael said, making it so taboo. I personally have really, really struggled in my family. A lot of people in my family are addicts and it runs in my family. My sister came on the podcast uh, a while ago. You can Google the Skinny Confidential Faye. She came on and shared her story with addiction. My mom had addiction in her family. And so to have Amy on and be so transparent, like I said, and real, especially during quarantine when a lot of addicts are struggling was really powerful. All right, let's meet Amy. She is dynamic. She is a firecracker. You're going to love her. She's a freelance columnist and author of the addiction memoir, My Fair Junkie. She's also the co-host of Rehab Confidential Podcast. With that, let's meet Amy. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Okay, so I was just saying that I am obsessed with reading addiction memoirs. It's honestly a hobby. I read Scar Tissue by Anthony Kiedis, favorite one, and then I read yours. And I was like, 
holy shit, you have a lot of masculine energy in the way you approached writing it. It was so honest, especially I, for a woman. I have a lot of masculine energy just in general. Yeah, that's. I wanted you on the podcast immediately after I finished it. And I was it. like, I mean, I'm, I'm straight, but... <laughs> And my voice is really low. You know, I was raised by my dad. And it's just like, I don't know. I was, I, I, I don't know what masculine energy regarding writing is. I just was like, I got to be honest. I've never had a really good filter. And when I wrote the book, I was really like, I have to be as honest as I can. Otherwise, I'm not going to help people. If I'm trying to look good, then it's just vanity writing. And then like, who's it going to help? Like, I wrote it to help people. I'm waiting for yeah. your next one. I know everyone Please. is. I know. Hurry I, up. I know. Can you I like know. go have some experiences? Oh, I know. Well, I mean, just I mean, like stay safe, but also. Well, you know. like, I know. Well, I've got some stories that I didn't like. I didn't blow my whole load in that first book because everyone's like, don't blow. And I was like, so I still have some horrible stories. But, you know, a lot of people want to know what happened after because like my whole world exploded in a horrible way after. What? Yeah. Well, I can't tell you because I'm going to put it all in the book. Well, let's, but you we have let, to give us a tease. But like, let's go back, though, because I think context of, you know, Lauren's Lauren's People think book, it's all, yeah, yeah. But, and but it's the, like, a lot of the audience is unfamiliar with their story. So I want to go like, Yeah, way. well, they need to go buy it. Hi. <laughs> People st stop the podcast right now and go right. buy it. Where, and go buy, buy it new on Amazon. Okay. Like, I'd like Great to get book. a royalty check, please. Yeah. My fair junkie, you got to buy it. But <sighs> just to give us context of your childhood, take us way, way back so we can sort of meet you and meet Amy because they're going to buy the book because I'm telling you guys it's the best book but first tell us where you grew up how you grew up what your childhood was like I grew up in Beverly Hills in Laurel Canyon my mom was a designer my dad was a screenwriter I was an only child my parents divorced when I was two I just kind of was shuttled around between the two of them I went to Westlake when it was all girls private uniform school in Bel Air yeah so I was like, but it was weird because my parent, my mom, there's a lot of addiction in my family and there's a lot of depression in my family. And I got, I got the double whammy. I got, the, I hit the genetic lottery with both of those things. I was kind of like a pure girl. Like I was like uh, very obsessed with purity when I was growing up. And uh, my father was like, if you don't drink or smoke or do drugs before you're 18, I'll give you a thousand dollars. And I was a joke, like, that's how Jews raise each other. We just bribe each other. And I was like, $1,000, excellent. I mean, I was fucking young then, you know? So I waited till I was 19 and I'm in college. And, uh, <laughs> God. And I show up at college. It's like sophomore year. I went to Santa Cruz, then transferred to Emerson. And I'm in college and I'm like, I'm a virgin and I've never drank. And everyone's like, what's up, freako? You know? And I was like, oh, shit, it's nothing cool. It's like this horrible albatross around my neck. And I was like, I need to get laid and loaded like immediately. So I started drinking and I lost my virginity. It was a horrible experience. It's in the book. What happened? Oh, okay. You got to read the book. You got to yeah, read the book. Thank God. Come on, man. Okay, we got to okay. tease these motherfuckers. Okay. Horrible, horrible experience. I mean, does anyone have a good experience? I don't know if anyone really. Some people maybe. Uh, mine was vanilla. Yeah, mine was not vanilla. Mine was, if you read it, it's just like, oh, wow. And so it wasn't until I just kind of didn't know. I was just like so good. And then sort of at 24, I moved to San Francisco and I was like, I don't know who I am. And I'm going to find out who I am by who I'm not. I'm going to say yes to everything. Whatever comes my way, performing and drugs and girls. And I'm going to just say yes to the universe. And it was like, I think Shonda Rhimes wrote a book called The Year of Saying Yes. And like hers turned out really well. Mine, not so much. <laughs> I turned out to be a fucking full-blown speed freak at the end of my year. Was that the yes. drug of choice speed? Well, I didn't I didn't even know what my drug of choice was. I didn't smoke pot till I was like 21. And then I'm in San Francisco and I'm like, 
I had grown up really privileged and had a trust fund and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, in San Francisco is like the way I like, it's cool to be homeless, man. And it's cool. Like, so I was like, I got to throw all that off and be like, fuck yeah, man. Everyone's like, are you on like GA, like general assistance? I'm on, I'm like, I'm on grandpa's assistance. You know what I mean? So it was like, I got, so I, I did all the things I never, my father, I got a job in a restaurant. My father was like, oh yeah, you got a job in a restaurant? That's nice. Graduated magna cum laude, right? Just totally, completely lost my shit once I graduated. I, I started, I thought I was going to be an actress like every jackass kid in, in Hollywood. Realized very quickly I could not, I could be only myself. So that's why I ended up doing comedy later. But completely like had a nervous breakdown, was drinking during the day, got fired from every job. So I moved to San Francisco and I get a job. My dad says, oh, you got a job in a restaurant. Are you a hostess? And I said, no. And he said, are you a you waitress? And I said, No. I said, I'm a dishwasher. He said, do they know you've washed about 10 fucking dishes in your whole life? So it's just this whole kind of removing of like the princess thing. And I sort of dove into this whole other world and I was waitressing one night. I was tired and because I'd stayed up doing Molly with this couple. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was in the year of yes, man. Do you had a, Did you have a good relationship with your parents? Like, why do you think you wanted to rebel so hard against like the way you were, you know, obviously raised? I have a really, yeah, I have a good relationship with my parents, specifically my dad and I are really tight. I think I wanted to please them really badly. I think I felt really repressed kind of growing up and was like, my father was sort of my main paternal, my, he was my mom and my dad. My mom moved to Mexico when I was 13 to weave rugs and stuff. So I went through puberty with my dad. So it was like, I think I just didn't want, I had to like submerge all my sexuality so that he could be my mom and my dad because I didn't want to become a woman and be sexual and then him push me away. You know what I mean? So I sort of submerged all that and then it all came out. Wow, that is some soul searching. Oh, well, it's, Holy it's shit. a zillion years of fucking therapy is what it is. Yeah, I bought people limos with the fucking, yeah. Like, so, okay, so you stayed up doing Molly with a couple. And yeah, then- and this guy, this neighbor was like, hey, man, I got, I'm like so tired. I got to go waitress at this Ethiopian restaurant. And I'm like the worst waitress in the world. I'm like, I'm so uncoordinated. I'm really clumsy. I'm really uncoordinated. But Ethiopian food's all in like one platter, just one platter. It's like one manhole. I was like, well, that I can do. Like then I, but I was, I'd knock shit over. I was totally like the, but I got the highest tips because I was funny. So anyway, I'm tired. Eventually, I got fired, <laughs> uh, and then I worked went went worked for the quadriplegic guy, which is really an intense part of the book. That is such a good part of the yeah, book. Yeah, really and intense. you really go into that. Yeah, that and that probably in a way, I don't know if humbled is the right word. Oh yeah. Well then, I, well then I got really humbled when I tried to stab my ex, and then like ended up on the chain gang. I'm telling you, it. this book. Well, we're bouncing around, and I, uh, um, I wanted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, right. right. So we got Michael's quadru- got his quadru- popcorn. Michael's like, okay, wait, stay on track. <laughs> Quadriplegic, like, eh. quadriplegic stabbing chain okay, gang. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Speed. So, so anyway, my neighbor goes here. Do a little of this. You'll it'll give you energy. And I was like, okay. And I didn't know what it was. I was just like, okay. And it was just like the pink powder. And I was like, it was in the nineties. And I was like, like totally tweaked out. And I didn't like it. And I was like, I'm not doing that shit again. And that's speed. Yeah. And I was like, I've never done speed. Does it just make you feel like you're on Adderall? What is it? Like- no, Adderall. Well, I don't like Adderall. Adderall makes me really like Arr. methamphetamine for me made me feel confident and beautiful and give me energy and creative. Adderall just makes me feel sort of agitated and, and, and weirdly energized because it, it doesn't have the methyl compound. So like every good drug addict, I know everything. Yeah, about, I'm so interested. In I this. know about like, everything about <laughs> drugs and like the science and like, you know. So you liked speed 
immediately or yeah, it took a minute? Well, so the second time I did it, I was like, someone offered it to me again. I was hanging out with all these gutter punks and skinheads and like, just like slumming it. You know, I thought it was like a, a Tarantino movie, man. This is cool. Just like such a fucking poser and so out of my league. Someone offered it to me again and I did it again and it clicked for me. And I went, oh my God, I feel normal. I'd been on psych meds. I'd had a nervous breakdown at 19 and another one at 22 and I'd been on antidepressants. What, what caused those? What was the what was the root of the of the breakdown? Biology, um, not being set up well for life. I mean, you name it. I just didn't know. Once I got out of college, I just was like, I don't know how to function in the world. And I how mean, does that manifest itself? How does a nervous breakdown? I'm sorry, I'm interjecting here, but I just like to get a clear picture. Crying, drinking during the day, not being able to get out of bed, wanting to kill yourself. So yeah, when I found crystal meth, it made me feel like I could be on the planet. I was like, this is what I need to be on the planet. Like, fuck Prozac. Like, this is what I need. And it felt, it made me feel normal. And who doesn't want to feel normal? I think that's a big misunderstanding among drug addicts is like, I mean, some people are trying to numb a pain or get high, but most of us just want to feel normal. And there's, I, I've dug into the science of this and a lot of drug addicts, and you're not even supposed to say that. You're supposed to be a substance use disorder. <laughs> I just can't. Did that become like a new, is that Oh is yeah, that I got thing? so much shit when my book came out because people were like, we don't say clean. We don't say dirty. We don't say junkie. I'm like, it's my story, motherfuckers. Write your own book. We've had some, want. we've had some addicts. I don't even know if I'm being politically correct. We've had addicts on the show and we've talked about this and like, I think like they, they also say junkie. So maybe we yeah, can say Yeah, I mean, like, I've never heard someone be like, hi, I'm Dave. I have substance use disorder. <laughs> like no one talks like that. That's God, like we're getting shit. Oh my God, we're so coddled now. And, but you anyway, know, but I also, they think it's going to change the stigma. I disagree with that. I disagree with that. I think the stigma is going to be changed by people coming out, celebrities coming out with addiction, people seeing people recover. It's not the addiction and also the biology catching up where people realize it's not a moral issue. It's mostly a biochemical or genetic trauma or uh, issue of trauma. That's, I feel like, just started to happen in the last eight years. Absolutely. People have just started to realize that it's something that you can't control. Yeah. It's a pretty tight community here. I mean, if you're, I'm sure you know Bob Forrest. Like, of course I know Bob. Bob I, I fucking love, Bob, come back on the show. I love Bob Forrest. He's I've been on the, his podcast. I've known Bob for years. He's one of the best human beings. Yeah. Humans. He doesn't give a but, shit. No, and he's, he'll, like, he's one of the people I was referencing. Junkie. Like, he'll say that. Him, oh, like, well, he's totally like that. Khalil. Yeah, he's a good, like, yeah all he these hates guys. SUDs. Like, well, then what if it's subs? use disorder then what's orderly use and yeah. i'm like oh my god well i just feel like it's it's really kind of what we do when we're using that that fucks people up it's like you can say and i and i wrote an article dr wetzman i quoted him and he was just like dave stole my car and fucked my wife and you know blah blah and they're like well dave has substance use disorder and like that makes it okay like it's our behavior like no one gives a shit Let's talk about our new sponsor, ButcherBox. Who likes quality meat? And who likes quality meat delivered straight to their door? I know Michael and I do. We are huge, huge fans of ButcherBox. Ever since we started working with them, every single month, ButcherBox has shipped a curated selection of high quality meats right to our home. And this is a big deal because it's almost like they do all the work for you. So all their meat is free of antibiotics and added hormones. Each box has nine to 11 pounds of meat. You guys, that's enough for 24 individual meals. It's packed fresh and it's shipped frozen and vacuum sealed. So it stays that way. 
what I love about ButcherBox is it's not only better for you, the meat quality, but it's also better for the environment. It's better for the animal. It's just a better way to consume meat if you're going to, which you know many of us do. So the ones that Michael and I like are the grass-fed and finished beef. We also are a huge fan of the sugar nitrate-free bacon. We make eggs and bacon like every weekend, sometimes pancakes, and this bacon is legit. And then I also love the wild-caught Alaskan salmon. I always go for wild-caught and they have the best salmon. I'm telling you, put a little lemon, some olive oil, some garlic, like it is legit. I'm telling you guys, ButcherBox is the most affordable and convenient way to get healthy, humanely raised meat. If you're going to be eating meat, ButcherBox is honestly a no-brainer. You know, instead of going to the store and wondering if you're getting the highest quality, know that if you get ButcherBox, you are getting the highest quality, best meat possible shipped straight to your door. Right now, ButcherBox is offering new members ground beef for life. That's two pounds of ground beef in every box for the life of their subscription. Just go to butcherbox.com skinny. That's butcherbox.com slash skinny. I'm telling you, try that nitrate-free bacon and the wild-caught Alaskan salmon. It's so hard though. Like I feel like the with kind of going with the amends, it's hard when when the attic makes amends to you. And this is like maybe a question we could ask later in the episode, but I just want to know. Are you as the sober, I don't want to say sober person, as the non-addict supposed to be like that's fine and move on. No, you can absolutely not accept the amends. I've had people not accept my amends. But what if you do accept the amends? Does that mean you have to just get over it right away? No, absolutely not. Isn't it? It's more. Oh, about, I thought it meant that no, you have to get over it right well, away. Tell me no. if I'm wrong here. I mean, it's it, isn't it? It's about the addict being able to move forward and not carry. Th- is that what it is? is yeah, that, it's or mostly do, or to for take us. It's like whether you accept it or not. Like I've had people not accept my amends, and I have to live with that. But we want to clear our like the wreckage of our past. So it's like so you make amends when you're not doing that behavior anymore. It's not just so. It's like. I've done this and da 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 da. And also, how can I make it right? Is there any way I can make it right? And if there's a way to make it right or not. And sometimes it's just time. It's t- it's a living amends. It's just like, don't fucking get loaded again. Like, don't fuck me up again. You know what I mean? It's like I've seen friends die. I've seen we do it for us. And it's hard when people don't accept your amends. I've had people not accept it, and I've had to just like live with that and go, well, I tried, and I'm a different person, and I'm sorry that they can't. You know what I mean? And now that you've been sober for so long, do you think that they would accept it again? No. It's They won't accept no. it. One was I was seven years and they said they wouldn't even respond. You almost have to look at it like, though, that's hurting them, not you. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm mad at exes. I mean, who's that hurting? It's hurting me. I mean, the, the other thing that I've realized is a lot of addicts are, you can get tested for this. It's called the, it's called the mutation in the MTHFR, motherfucker mutation. And you can get tested. And basically what happens is we have... A mutation in the in the gene that creates the enzyme that breaks down L-methyl that breaks down uh, folate and folic acid from like green vegetables into L-methyl folate, which is the building block of dopamine and serotonin. So we're born not being having enough dopamine and serotonin. So we're born with this brain that's craving dopamine and serotonin all the time, specifically dopamine. So of course we want. So then when we find drugs. The problem with drugs is that it shoots your fucking dopamine so fucking high and then you come crashing down. And also when you when you have so much dopamine, like when you're shooting coke like I was or smoking meth like I was or whatever, like basically your brain goes, whoa, like way too much dopamine and starts to shut down dopamine receptors and st- all that kind of stuff. And so you can get tested for it. And of course, I've totally have this mutation, which is like not a, a surprise because I felt weird before. That is such a good tip. 
People need to talk about that more. Yeah, I do. I've written about it and you can take a supplement. I take an L-methylfolate supplement. It hasn't fixed it, but it once we can see it on a scan, like an x-ray or whatever, people won't think be like, she's just a weak person and it's willpower. It's like no one wants to end up a fucking under a bridge shooting dope and losing everything. Nobody. It's like, yeah, that's not the intention going into it. Yeah, never. And it's like, people are like, well, you knew you were, it's like, I can't describe to you, like when you have addiction, when you, it's like a vacuum opens up inside of you and you can't stop. It's really kind of terrifying. And then it happened with me with sex addiction too, which I talk about in the book as a, as a woman, like I just, and it happens to me with kind of anything that's addictive. Like I just quit juuling. I'm like, smoking related illness is the number one cause of death in people in recovery. And I was like, I'm not gonna, I didn't get fucking sober to fucking die of like the jewel. Like, sorry. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I was like, I quit jeweling and I fucking, it was the gnarliest. We have some people in recovery and I noticed that there's like, a, there is a lot of smoking, a lot of cigarette use. I used to be a smoker when I was younger. It was like, it was obviously tough, but why you like, there's so many things like no alcohol, no substance, but like smoking is okay. And not right. to like put anyone in a corner and say it's not, but like it's, you see a lot of, of course. S- drug addicts or Because drug, they're fucking still searching for the fucking dopamine. But so where are they getting it from? They're getting it from fucking other people. But recovery doesn't say no to smoking? No, unless what? you're Nicotine Anonymous. Who wants to go to Nicotine Anonymous? I had yeah. a friend who said, if you fucking relapse on the jewel, I'm going to take you to Nicotine Anonymous. And I was like, fuck that. You know, I used to make fun of Nicotine Anonymous, and then I tried to quit fucking uh, vaping, and I wanted to blow my head off. Was, was there like, any tip or trick that helped you quit, or was it just willpower? I went, again. I it wasn't willpower. I I put it out there publicly, and I wrote an article about it, and I so I felt accountable. And then I also inspired other people to quit. And so then you can't be like you're like fuck yeah. <laughs> So then I was like, I got a jewel. Like even yesterday, I was like, fuck this. I got a jewel. And I was like, I can't. I can't. So it's like you helping other people helped you. Yeah. And I just had made it fucking. Everyone's like, you can do it. I got a lot of support of people just going, it gets better. It gets better. It gets better. Because the first month, you just really want to blow everyone's head off and yourself. You're just like, holy fuck. Your brain's all fucked up. I was sm- I was doing four jewel pods a day. That's like 80 cigarettes. That's a shitload, yeah. Yeah, and so I was having chest pains, and I was like, what am I fucking doing? And then I was like getting the empty cartridges out of the fucking garbage and being like, one last hit. And I was like, wow, is this familiar? Like, really? Like, how embarrassing. Like, I was like, it's over, bitch. It's over. You put a beat up your nose, no more beats. You fucked up. You have a kid. You know, I just was like, it's over, son. It's done. It is over. Um, so going okay. So going back. Yeah, I want to so, go back to her so, story. Okay, so you 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 try speed for the second time. Sorry, and just, it clicks. And it clicks. Okay. And then I'm using every day. And, but I think I'm experimenting. And just speed, or you're doing like whatever comes yeah, your way. Yeah, no, I'm drinking a little bit, but that's it. But it's mostly speed. Mostly speed, because mostly if you're a tweaker, like you don't fuck up your fucking like your meth high with anything. And else. how long do these like benders last? Like, is it like days? You, days. Okay. The before. longest I ever stayed up was 17 days. Holy oh shit! Oh my god! With no sleep, not even like dozing off. Heard that. That. How did you do that? I don't remember that. And I wrote a new Bible based on Emerson. Wait, 17 days. I don't remember you saying I that. wrote a new Bible based on Emerson and Nietzsche. And I thought I had the mathematical equation for God. So I was like on the edge of like a psychotic break. And now I have epilepsy. From I the- remember that part in the book. But you have it from the 17 days? I have it from Crystal Matthews. There's no epilepsy in my family. I developed it in my 30s. I didn't have a head injury. And, there, and the guy was like, I was in France living in Paris. And he was like... They started doing a bunch of tests. I started having grand mal seizures out of the blue. It was like five years clean at the time because I've had time before and then relapsed. 
And uh, they said, uh, he goes, did you do a lot of drugs? And I was like, well, what, what do you mean? He's like, you do a lot of cocaine? And I was like, mm. I mean, fucking meth is made with like gun bluing and Drano. It's really gnarly shit. It's super bad for your brain. And so there are other people who have developed epilepsy. And so he goes, yes, this is uh, from that. I have hyperactive lesions now in my frontal lobe. And I've been on medication for 15 years. But I've cracked my head open. I've lost my license twice. I've had maybe... I don't know, 12 grand mal seizures or broken teeth. I had one outside swingers. That was a good time. Just oh fa- just like on the phone with my now ex-husband and just face planted. I don't have an aura or anything. Oh, shit. Okay, so so you get addicted to speed and then do you stay in San Francisco? No, my parents drag me back. I get an infection in my face and my I call my parents from a hotel and I'm living in like lower hate, which is- Why do those infections? Because I've always wondered this. Like, wh- what does it come from? Because it's dirty. That shit is like cut with so much dirty shit. And I got an infection and I called my parents and I was like, I'm, I have an infection in my face, in my nose, in my whole, and, and they'd given me uh, moxicillin. I found out I was allergic to moxicillin. Oh, so it was just like elephant man shit. And they came up and they took me to the doctor and the doctor looked up my nose and he goes, um, what are you putting up your nose? He knew. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I said, Afrin <laughs> and speed occasionally. And he goes, yeah, it's, this is from that. And if you do it again, it'll happen again. And my dad flipped out and he didn't know I was using, I, I hadn't told them. And you don't expect your kid to become a hardcore drug addict in their 20s. You think that's that period's over. So they dragged me back to LA and then I just navigated the fucking speed scene here. And then- What's the speed scene here? Well, this was years ago. I mean- But what I was, was it like years ago? Hold up because I have to tell you what I'm wearing at this current moment. I am wearing Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pant. I have talked about these pants forever, but they're so, so relevant right now because we're all on Zoom and in Skype and we want to look cute, but we also want to be really, really comfortable. And I'm telling you, you guys, these pants... They are as comfortable as your pajamas. I have been doing conference calls all day. I've been sitting on Skype and I still feel like I look presentable. But like I said, I'm also very, very comfortable, which is a real win. Personally, I feel like when I put on real clothes, I get more done. I'm more efficient. I'm more productive. I'm telling you, it is such a hack. It works. You just feel more professional overall. These specific pants are a customer favorite and I'm not surprised at all because it's just one of those pants of pants that you'll always have. I like the black ones that are the skinny. I always gravitate towards them. I think they're super flattering. And the best part about these pants is that they're wrinkle resistant stretch knit. So they don't get wrinkled. This is a real win for me when I come home, take my pants off, throw them on the floor, and then I can wear them the next day. You know what I mean? Anyways, if you are not a fan of the skinny, there is so many different colors and styles. They have like boot cut, straight leg, skinny, like I said, cropped. They even have an eight pocket. You should also know that they launch new styles weekly. Right now, all Skinny Confidential, him and her listeners can get 25% off your first order when you go to betabrand.com slash skinny. That's 25% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com slash skinny. Find out why women are buying five different pairs of these pants. I'm telling you guys, you got to check them out. You're going to go to betabrand.com slash skinny for 25% off. Enjoy. It's gross. It's fucking gnarly. I mean, it was skater punks and fucking like, it was like, like guys on Hollywood Boulevard were homeless. It was like all criminals. It was like, 
Uh, it was a lot of Mexican gang members. Like I was super out of my league. It wasn't. It's not like the cocaine crowd. Like yeah. in the in the in the fucking nineties, the meth crowd here is. If unless you're a gay man, that's a different thing. If you're like a gay man, like it's very popular among among gay men. But that's a whole different scene. The straight meth scene is gnarly. What What do you mean? It's just like. What do you think the reason for that is? Because is it because it's a cheap drug? Is it because maybe the people that are inclined to take that are a different type of like what? Like what do you think separates the coke it, crowd from the from the meth crowd? Is it just pricing? Well, or uh, is yeah, it, yeah, partly. And I think that if your meth is like you're considered bottom of the barrel. Like if you in the in a hierarchy, if you're an IV drug user, you're bottom of the barrel, and if you're a meth head, you're bottom of the barrel. Like everyone looks down on you. And I'm both. I'm That's like, Yay. so interesting, though, that there's like a because hierarchy. It's, of- it's a different crowd. It's just a different crowd. It's more you go dumpster diving. It's not like you doing like champagne and lines at the fucking sky bar or wherever's cool now with that catch or whatever the fuck, <laughs> you know. So I walked into a market. I mean, I was hanging out with like Mexican drug cartel guys and I didn't even know. And they were like, hey, you know anyone who wants to buy this? And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And he goes, oh, it's a gun silencer. And I was like, I'm so fucking out of my league. Like, what did they want to do? What did you? What did they, they want wanted me to know if I knew anyone who who wanted, wanted to buy it. Too. Yeah, I was like, I don't know people who have guns. You're like, I'm here I to do drugs. Think. Yeah, I mean, so I walked into a market and I woke up in an ambulance and I'd had a seizure. It was the first seizure I ever had, and I went in a rehab. First of seven rehabs. And who and, and what was the decision behind putting you in rehab? Was it you making that decision or somebody who's like, Oh, hey. my parents have been pushing forever. And, and how mean, old were you at this time? 24. 24. Okay, you're still young. So then I went in a rehab and I got out and I stayed clean and I tried to drink at about a year. And I was in a blackout for three weeks. And I was like, okay, I can't drink either. I was like, okay. So talk me through what it's like telling yourself in your head you can drink. So you get out of rehab and do you, do you start to think, I could have a glass of champagne. I could have a glass of yeah, wine. Yeah, because you're like, I'm a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. I really thought it would be different. I thought it would be okay. And I didn't realize there's a spectrum of addiction. You know what I mean? Some people, and I know some people, because I have a podcast too about that. I talk about addiction. And I'm sorry, it's called Confidential also. I didn't come up with it. It's called it's I called it. Rehab Confidential. I love it. also the stuff no one talks about. I love it. Um, there's a spectrum of addiction. And there are people who can do opioids and then fucking get clean and fucking drink and do pot. And no one, people in AA fucking go bananas when you say that because absence is the holy grail. I can't do that. I've tried it all. I've tried opioids. I've tried smoking pot. I can't even fucking vape. Like, I can't fuck people without, like, you know, if they don't call me, I'm, like, fucking losing my shit. Like, I, everything is addictive to me. So I'm way the fuck over here in terms of the spectrum. But I think that the, the idea that one size fits all in terms of recovery is just not true. So what's the other end of the spectrum? If this is, like, so addictive, what's the other end? Not addictive? Addictive to some stuff. Like, I have a friend, and she can't drink, but she can do smoke. She can smoke pot. She can do coke occasionally. And just when she drinks, she goes bananas. But she can do other shit once a year. No big deal. So you start drinking again. You black out for three weeks. You honestly don't remember the three weeks? No, I remember bits of it. 
I want to, I want to, this is going to be like a curve. Well, we're going to get it, but I want to talk about sex addiction because there, I, I think you what see, do you want to know I, I want to know everything. <laughs> I think you, Careful, Taylor's going to pop a I boner. Want to, I want to know everything. Well, because I think you see a lot of people like in the tabloids and they get in trouble and they're like, oh shit, oh shit, I'm a sex addict. And I want to, yeah. I want to know like what real sex addiction is compared to like people that are just saying it to maybe I think get it's out of a trouble. nice PR move yeah. to get out of like, if you're, like you got Ath- caught cheating. Yeah, or- of course. That's not, I mean, it could be, but I think it's a nice, like, out. When you're a millionaire, a billionaire athlete with girls throwing themselves at you. They're like, oh shit, got and caught. You're, yeah, and you're fucking traveling all over and you fuck some people and then you're like, I'm, I'm in for sex addiction. It's like, sex addiction for me is just like drug addiction. It's used despite negative consequences. It's lack of choice. So it was like, I don't want to do this. Why am I doing this? And, okay, I'm never going to do this again. Here I am doing this again. Like, almost outside your body, watching yourself do it. My sex addiction began when I was going through my criminal trial and my divorce, and I had nothing. I'd lost everything. Just penniless at 42 years old. What was the criminal trial for? Uh, Not criminal trial. Yeah, uh, I tried to stab my ex. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You touched on that. Okay. (laughs) And why? He just, like, you were in an episode. It it wasn't a good marriage, and it got physical, and I pulled a knife on him. I was high on Oxy and Four loco because I'm classy like that. And I pulled a knife, and I was like, I'll gut you like a fish, you fat motherfucker. And he called the cops on me, and I got arrested for felony domestic violence. And that's how the book starts. Correct. Yeah. It, uh, like I was like, I'm going to grab these bitches by the throat. You and grabbed me it. right by the throat. I think it was like, <laughs> I was bored on a Monday and I was like, oh, Listen, shit. I'll stay up all night reading it. They're like, oh, my, oh my God. God. I would wake up at like three in the morning. <laughs> do, and not, do not give her any ideas about gutting me like a fish. I need to, I need to like preserve myself. Here. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, so, so. So I went to jail. Eventually that whole marriage, he, I had a nervous breakdown again, because that seems to be one of my favorite things to do. No, no joke. It's, you know, I lost everything. I lost my everything. And I was also had a felony charge. And I'm like a nice Jewish girl. I'm like, what the fuck? I have a violent felony too. Like your background doesn't match up with what Not the story at all. Is. My parents were like, what the fuck is happening your now? Your dad must have been yeah. beside himself. They were not happy. Yeah. They were just like, what's going on? And so I go through a divorce and all of that shit. It got dropped to a misdemeanor. I'm given a year of domestic violence counseling and 204 hours of community labor while I'm in treatment. So, and I'm left, he pays my health insurance and gives me no money at all. So I'm 42 and I'm on Medi-Cal disability. And that's a big part of the book too, is like getting to live, having had money and then having no money. And you talk about in the book how you were doing community service and cleaning the streets and cleaning leaves up off the streets with huge criminals. And you just talked about, you sort of, it's, it's, you made me feel like you were very humbled by that experience. Well, I showed up when I was like, I mean, I was like, oh my God. I was like, oh my God, these are criminals. Like, what am I doing here? I get my hair colored at Cy Hirschberger. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like still totally entitled, completely in denial, whatever. And it's like 40 fucking Hispanic guys in hoodies and me. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? And this one guy was like, he came up to me and he's like, what you here for what, huh? And I was like, I- I'm here for felony domestic violence with a deadly weapon. They're like, oh shit, you know, I was the only one. I was the one, I had more time than anyone else. I had the worst, I was one of the few violent offenders. And I was like, I'm the fucking criminal. Like these guys had DUIs. It was like nothing. So sweeping the streets was like, <laughs> in a clean team uniform was just like, fucking mind-blowing. I remember having a, a moment. First of all, no one would talk to us because we we're criminals. 
We had a tan Dickies as a clean team. We had a fucking broom. And everyone ignored us except for like drunk homeless people who were like, good morning. I know it sucks, but it beats the pen. And we're like, oh, thank you. You know what I mean? Like just anyone to pay attention to us. And uh, and other people like dumbasses are like, I love the environmentalism you're doing. Like, how do I become part of that? Oh, Jesus, only in LA. And I was like, right, yeah. And I was like, oh, it's really easy, actually. Just just go stab your husband. Yeah, right. It's not that hard to be part of the crew if you want to be part of the beautification team. And I remember just I ran into someone I knew in AA. Broke anonymity. Oh my God, because A is a secret society. It's skull and bones. Fuck it. You know what? I'm in AA. Like, hi. And I also support harm reduction. And I also, like, I'm so over, I don't think it's, I think it's harming the sobriety community. I think we all need to come together and come out of the fucking closet. Yeah, oh, I mean, That's interesting, because it's like, see, the whole thing with AA is secrets make you sick. Right. Let me tell you guys about one of the easiest things you can do in the most responsible way to make sure that you are going to live a long, prosperous, healthy life, or at least do whatever you can to try and live a long, healthy, prosperous life. It's one of the easiest things we've done, and that is sign up for Ancestry Health and bring them on as a partner of this show. Lauren, take it away. Let the people know how easy this is. Okay, so what we did is we got our kits in the mail. You get two boxes, one for me, one for Michael, and then you take out this little tiny tube and you spit in it, and you spit to a line, and then after you spit in it, you seal it up, Uh, It has like a seal and then you put it back in your box and you send it to Ancestry Health. And then they have the most advanced genetic testing technology. And then you get your results back and you can learn if you're lower or higher risk for some commonly inherited conditions linked to breast cancer, colon cancer and heart disease. Ancestry Health does this all. It lets you understand what those risks are and if they're passed down from one generation to the next. I just feel like preventative care is in. So obviously we have some really solid pathways to understand what we're at risk for. And that is our ancestors, our parents, the people that came before us. Many of us though, aren't privy to what our ancestors and our parents' health conditions were and what they had. So we ha- we go through life in the dark, not knowing what to look for. With Ancestry Health, it does all that work for you. It lets you know what you're predisposed to, what you're at risk for, what you potentially need to watch for, which obviously helps you take better care of yourself and your children. We've had a lot of experts on here talking about breast cancer, and women. So I think especially if you're a woman that this is a very important test to take. Smarter health decisions start with Ancestry Health. Find out what your DNA says about genetic risk with Ancestry Health. Head to our URL at Ancestry.com slash skinny to get your Ancestry Health kit today. That's Ancestry.com slash skinny. It's so easy, guys. It takes a couple of seconds and you just get all the information to be preventative about your health. With that, let's get back to Amy. Huh. But well, part of the thing is they think that when A started it, they didn't have the manpower to handle all of the inquiries. So that was one of the reasons to remain anonymous at press, radio, and film. Secondly, another thing is that if you say you're an AA and then you relapse, it makes it look like AA doesn't work. And my thing is AA doesn't work for everybody and relapse is part of recovery for a lot of people and if you my dad my dad is just uh, in remission from cancer so if you know someone who has cancer and they go through chemotherapy and they still die do you think that chemotherapy doesn't work no you fucking don't you think it just didn't work in that case so I think it's crazy to not talk about it I don't know how it can be a a thing of attraction when no one knows you're fucking in it so I, I just 
I think it's I think it's outdated. Well, and I, I think then other people that are maybe outside of it don't know how to deal with people that are. So I think conversations like this are helpful. I mean, we've had a bunch of them on the show because I think there's there's people that are in recovery and then there's people that are outside of it and family members or friends. Love, and they, a lot of people don't know how to deal with someone in recovery and it's because they don't have the information. They're not part of it. They're like, okay, what the fuck do I do? Well, they can go to Al-Anon, but I mean, I just also just think But that's like, after you, you know, get involved in the program. But like, if you're just an everyday person, you have a friend going through something, you're like, oh, like like you said, like, hey, you're weak-minded, yeah. get it together. So you may not understand all of the chemical yeah, balances yeah. or all the other issues. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. I'm just not, I've always been open about everything and I got shit for that too. I got a lot of grief for but you need people like you speaking out to make change. Well, I, also someone was like, wow, you seem cool and you're in AA. Maybe I'll check it out. Maybe it's not some weird Christian cult. Okay, like you're a Jew. Like, let's let me check it out. Like, I don't also I think you can take what works for you and leave the rest. I'm not a hardcore person about that. Like I said, if you take Suboxone and that works for you, fucking awesome. If you you know what I mean? I'm down with whatever. If you get fucking sober doing yoga with llamas, like, yay. Like, who gives a shit? We're all trying to go to the same place. Kristen Johnson from 30 Rock? Oh, yeah. She was just on our podcast. She was? She and I are like the same person. I know. Okay. I just read her book, too. I'd like, can you tell I have like a thing with Yeah, I can. I, I, <laughs> fucking hi. I'm addicted to reading addiction <laughs> memoirs. <laughs> there are worse things. Um, but she says in, the, in her book, she says someone told her if pushing a peanut up a hill with your nose keeps you sober, then you push a peanut up the hill. Like, she says that you have to do whatever works for you, and sometimes it's not AA. I thought that was cool. It's like like what you just said. It's not one shoe fits all. Well, yeah. I mean, I think there are people who are like, it's AA, or like, you're not really sober. And it's like, uh, really? Does AA own recovery? Like, AA worked for me, but I'm also involved in other things that aren't AA-based, and I support all kind of stuff. And, I, and there's stuff about AA I don't like. So when you were in AA, you were struggling with sex addiction, right? Like when you were actually working the program. Yeah. So how how does that work? So um Does it does and does to clarify, like does sex addiction like so you're addicted for drugs, but then it like does it like does the addiction move from one thing yes. to another in your case? But it's not cross everyone's like, it's cross addiction. It's not cross addiction, it's addiction. It just transfers to whatever it's not, the next No, yeah. it's not a transfer. It's you've taken away your drug of choice and your brain is going, I want dopamine. So where do we get dopamine? Okay. Attention, sex. Sugar, uh, nicotine, shopping, gambling. It's not cross addiction. In my mind, it's all addiction. Mm -hmm. It's all the same fucking thing. And we're just, we just closed off that avenue. And so my brain's like, well, where else can we get dopamine? So then I was just like, I was like 42 going on on Tinder. And it was just like fucking shooting fish in a barrel was gnarly. And it was just too easy. I was living in sober living and I just had to get the fuck out of my body. I just could, I was in so much pain. I was so scared about the future. I was smoking and vaping and wearing a fucking nicotine patch. I'd smack it and then fucking, I mean, I was just such a lunatic and I wanted validation. I wanted to know I was still lovable. I was still hot. I was still this, I was still that. And I also wanted to get the fuck out of my body and get it. And so I started having, sleeping with people that I met online. And it was always like one night stands. I had some that were kind of my friends and I talk about it in the book and I always would cry leaving. 
And like, so you didn't, it's not like you fell in love with one or two people. It's like you were just. Well, I would get attached. Well, I'm a woman. So if someone puts their fucking dick in me, I'm going to become attached to you. Even if I don't even like you, my body is like, yay, we like this person. They're inside our body. Like for me, that's my experience. I bond to people. So then I would like be bonded to this person and I didn't want to be bonded to that person because they didn't want anything except to fuck me. So then I would fuck someone else to break that bond. And then I have to fuck someone else to break that bond. And it was this horrible chain. Yeah, that's You're a problem. very self-aware. Yeah, that's what. That's what I think the difference but of your memoir is. It's very what, self-aware. But that's but that made because it of, harder. That made it harder because yeah. I knew exactly what the fuck I was doing and I couldn't stop myself. But yeah. that's, that's a distinguished. I mean, listen, like, not to be sexist, but that is like, I mean, we do have this him and her aspect. I have young sisters. Now I have a daughter. And like. It is true as a man, like you can put your dick in something and actually not be attached to it Absolutely. at all. Like it of is, course. That's a, it's of not course. a mean thing. It's just a biological of thing. Of course. Like we can, we evolved to mate yeah. and like you can do that without right. an emotional connection. And not to say that women can't do that. But some I, women can. Some can, but I do think that. I don't think most, well, I think we're wired because we can get pregnant and we have to have a baby. And so it's like, we need a provider who's going to show uh, show up. That's just the evolutionary shit. And some people like they're sex positive and feminist and it's like, if you could fuck people and not have them call you again and not give a shit, power to you. I can't do that. If I don't, if they don't text me, I cry. Yeah, it's fucked up. I think about like my re- relationships before Lauren. Like, you know, your I, relationships yeah. is that what you call them? But <laughs> but, your relationships. Yeah, relationships. You mean you stuck your dick in someone? <laughs> but, but I think about it and I feel bad sometimes because I went into it with the mindset of like this is just fun. And do was, you feel bad? No, no, I actually do because I'm like, there was no... That's not self-aware. No, no, I do actually in some cases. There's like no emotional connection with a lot of my previous relations. But I mean, Lauren and I have been <laughs> together for so long, but there was with Lauren. But I think like that's... It's not necessarily like I was trying to be unfair. It's just like there wasn't the emotional connection. It was just I was having fun. Of and I think course. a lot of men do that. And like when I talk to women, I'm like, you got to understand like it's just a... Like, but that's why for women you got like now, like I, I've been celibate for three years. I mean... Uh, just, By choice or yeah, well, I mean, I, see, I, don't I haven't I mean, read that part because I haven't read the next book, so I'm waiting for this. <laughs> I'm waiting patiently. <laughs> I need a new book. Well, I need a donor, so why don't you sponsor it? Like, I need to get off my ass and do it. I mean, a lot happened, so I basically, what happened after the first book? There was the happy ending. Well, that person's gone. That person left and broke my heart. Ugh. And. Ugh. So I, I love kinda, that happy ending too. I know though. everyone did, and everyone. Ugh. So everyone who reads a book is like, "I loved it, and I love." Are you still with that? And I'm like, "Oh, my fucking heart!" Just like, so I really got my heart broken. I was really open, and I really got my heart broken, and I kind of just, you know, shut down. Also, my father got cancer. Also, my mother broke her hip and got dementia, and had Ugh. a heart attack and a pulmonary embolism, and ended up in a in a home and but look what you've stayed sober for yeah that's seven pretty, and a half years that's yeah, I mean, but my whole life fucking fell apart like literally like i thought i was gonna like have a tesla and a mansion and i was gonna be and like people put me on a pedestal but like literally i'm like eating chili out of a can like fucking in my like one bedroom with colonel puff puff my cat and people are like you're such an inspiration i'm like am i really bitch like i think you are and i you. think that pro- maybe all of this is happening to you for a reason to help more people with your next book well someone said to me they just said i i gotta know about like being sober in your 40s and i was like that's the next book there's a huge developmental delay i spent 25 years in rehabs and fucking psych wards and people taking care of me my parents taking care of me and then my ex-husband taking care of me and then all of a sudden i'm dropped on my ass in my 40s with nothing and i don't know how to do taxes and i don't know how, when you, when you when you put an oil when you put oil in a car and i don't know how to be self-sufficient and i don't know how to do a budget and i can't cook 
except dope. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to fucking do anything. Like, I showed up at Jiffy Lube. They're like, hey, so when was the last time you put oil in this car? And I was like, seven years ago? They were like, oh, my God. I'm like, but I can make a crack pipe, uh, crack bong out of a Mountain Dew bottle with straw and gum. And they were like, please just sit in the living. But please just sit in the waiting let room. Let me make you boy. feel better a little bit. I guarantee my wife has no idea what you're talking about with oil in the car. She's, I she, I, the whole time you're talking, I'm like, I don't really know how to budget and put oil in my no, car. No, I don't know any of that shit either. And it's like, I mean, my, my friend tell me with taxes, but it's like, it's a weird thing where I'm 50 now. 50. You do not look 50. Thank you. You do not look 50. Thank you. That's gnarly. You do not look 50 at all. I know. That's a fucking gift. That's like my pact with the devil. The devil's like, I'm going to give you epilepsy and you're going to keep your teeth, but I won't. Well, your hair looks great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm weirdly well-preserved. You look great. What is the difference between a psych ward and rehab? (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Because you, how are we supposed to know? I've never been to either. A rehab is... A rehab center where you check in voluntarily for drug problems or dual diagnosis, like you're bipolar and you're dep- and you're like shooting crack because you, cause you can't shoot crack, like or whatever. Psych ward is a psychiatric hospital where you're usually put against your will, held on a 72-hour hold against your will with people who think they're Thomas Jefferson or the fucking moon is controlling their fucking dick. Yeah, is there anyone, though, that, that doesn't think like that that's like more normal that's in there against yes. their will? Yes. Yes. So it's not every... It's well, not- you read it in the book. I mean, there were some people that were there. One girl was in there just to change meds. And there was another girl who they thought had tried to kill herself. And she hadn't really. But there's also a lot of people who are really very, very mentally ill. And I think it's odd that you take someone who's depressed or tries to kill themselves and put them in the psych ward because the psych ward's fucking depressing. Yeah. It's so depressing. What would be the alternative? Like for people that don't know, like, okay, someone tries to do that. Like, where do you put those? You people? have to. You have I to mean, put them yeah. if someone tries to kill themselves, you have to sort of commit them because to protect themselves from, from themselves. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, but it doesn't necessarily like, I don't think it's, yeah, but it's not, it's not. Is the, like you get out, you're 72 hours and you get the fuck out and then you can kill yourself. And then you're you know like, shit, I, mean? I was just in a psych ward and that was even more depressing. And I'm even yeah, more and then you're, you know, and people are totally freaked out. And it's like, I mean, everyone who's in meetings and in 12 step meetings has all been in the fucking psych ward. That's what I love about that community. It's like no judgment. It doesn't no, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're like, I had, a, they're, I had a restraining order. They're like, me too. You know what I mean? Like I shot Coke in my neck. They're like, me too. <laughs> like, it's like all, uh, everyone gets it. We're, we're in the real world. People are like, ew. Why do you, why do people start like, so when you get into addiction, like why is, why do you start finding different body parts to shoot into? Is it because you just like exhaust the, yeah, you blow out the vein. So you just have to find any vein that will yeah, still Yeah, you receive. blow out the vein. Ugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, did you have the epiphany that you were a sex addict? In the book, you talk about this horrific, transparent scene where you're talking oh, to your sponsor. That was such a hard scene to write. That I is, can't even tell you. That was, I think that's why I've never been fucking... Well, the people that are interested in me are not some people I'm interested in. Also, I just... I really think that coming out as a female sex addict, a female intravenous drug addict, someone who's been in the psych ward... But also uh, grew up in Beverly Hills and looks yeah. the way you look. So it's, it's I like. Think, and I'm also a lot. I'm a big personality. I'm strong. I have a lot of masculine. It's going to take someone who's got a lot of fucking. And I think I think I'm low maintenance and I'm high maintenance. That's what an, another ex-boyfriend. Well, is, you guys have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> is 
the sponsor though the the place where you thought okay this is a problem like is that where you had an epiphany no i had i knew you knew oh god but yeah. the, but so, for some reason in the book that was a turn in that scene like you you that turned scene a was so hard to write i just was like and i remember right before the book came out this is they're talking they're talking about a, uh, where i hit my bottom in my sex addiction and it's a very 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 graphic mortifying scene and i just was like i don't want to fucking write this and i just thought there is somebody out there who will identify and go, fuck me. I felt the same way. I've been in the same situation. I did something I didn't want to do sexually and I felt ashamed of it. Like, I'm like, just there's a lot of people. Yeah. Are. Everyone can identify with that. It's the feelings of just like, oh, I just did something I didn't want to do and I feel gross. Like, why didn't I say no? What? Because they'd be mad at me. Like, everyone's been there. I already knew. And I just. I didn't go, I went to SLAW. I went to Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. I went to SAA and it just didn't really click for me. And so again, it's the same steps. And so I also think that for that point, it was sort of a coping mechanism that I needed. And then I fell in love. So then I got into my love addiction and then he left. And then I was kind of like left with nothing. So then I'm looking at that stuff now. I'm working with a relationship coach in Paris and it's really painful shit. Sex addiction and love addiction comes from childhood trauma. It comes from, it's much more painful for me than my drug addiction was. It's, am I lovable? If there's something wrong with me, are you going to leave a fear of abandonment? A, you know, emotionally unavailable parent. Like it goes to childhood stuff. So it's super, super fucking painful stuff. But I know that if I don't deal with it, I'm not going to move forward. Like I want to get married again. Like I want to be in a relationship again, you know. Do you have any friends? Yeah, come on, man. Yeah. I have friends. <clears throat> I have friends. You do? Yeah, let me think. Yeah. I think also being 50 is weird. Like, I went on Hinge, and it's like... I got mostly older friends. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, don't go too old. Yeah. No, but I mean, like... <laughs> no, I think, like, 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 a, like a nice, like, 40, 45-year-old guy. That like, would yeah, be great. Yeah, you don't I'm, want... Like, you I'm don't just... want some old bat. You want... No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, I'm also, like, weirdly immature. Hi. Yeah. So what is it like to be in rehab and have relationships in rehab? Do they allow that? No. They you don't. totally can get kicked out for that. No. Don't you remember the scene where I got pulled aside for making out with that young 24-year-old kid and I got grabbed by my hoodie and yes. dragged outside? And he's like, are you a fucking predator? And I was like, I think they call it cougar. And I lost my fucking phone privilege. And the other time when I snuck out over the gate to meet that British comic. Uh, yes. And he was totally coked I out. I think that's someone that people know, too. But you can't say I know. But no. I don't th it's not who you think. Oh. He's been sober a billion zillion years. Okay. I thought it was someone that I was like Googling I have British spoke, comic. I have, <laughs> I have, I have done sp speaking gigs with who you think. The okay. famous one. But that wasn't who this person was. Okay. He's tall. The guy, this guy was short. Remember? He got out and I was like, he's kind of short. I don't remember the short part. Oh, but anyway. I was Googling British comic. No, uh, he comic. showed up. Well, I'll tell you after who everyone is, if you want to know, like, who all the yeah, famous Yeah, you have some famous movies. people in the book. I know. That, and I was trying to Google <laughs> who it was. When you write a book like that, do people do? I mean, people know you're doing it. There are people from, like, that are Oh, those I had people. to. Are, no. they, are they, like, oh, shit, like, they're reaching out, like, hey, don't put me in that fucking book. Um, I had to get okays from certain people. Certain people, I we imagine. just, I went, this, this book was thoroughly legally vetted. So we had to change, like, like the night of the incident, there's much more to it than that. I had to pull out a lot of stuff to protect me and the publisher from lawsuits. And then like also with certain people, we we disguised their identity so that we wouldn't get sued. 
and other people, I had to send them the part of the book about them and be like, are you okay with this? But if it's anonymous, why Like, why does it matter? But you know what's interesting It doesn't, now? no, it, because it's not, what do you mean? Because I just changed their name. It was exactly who they fucking were. Oh, that's, but privacy's just, gone now. And this, in moving 2020 and beyond, like, if you do something, like, it's going to come out. Like, it, it's not the days of, of the past. Like, it's out there. Like, people need to know that. But like, that's no, why it's so oh, cool people that Google, you who, You know, people Google my age, who my ex is, who my dad is, what my net worth is. My net worth is supposed to be $1.5 million. <laughs> <laughs> Turn My Fair Junkie into a movie. Or a TV show. It's already a pilot. And we're shopping it right See, now. See, okay. Well, don't laugh too hard. I know. The so next time you guys will have to be like, yeah. I'll be like, I'll be like, they'll be like, uh, the skinny confidential's coming. I'm like, they're like, this is Stacy, Amy's assistant. I'm sorry, she doesn't have any availability. She's shooting her. Yeah, butt. you. The, no. I can totally see this. Oh my as god, a it would be the best. It'd be so fucking funny. It's I mean, a great scenes, name. There's so, there's scenes in there that are just you're like, did this? Is this real? Yeah, I thought so, half the book. I was like, there's no way because. You read so many memoirs and uh, you feel like they're not being 100% honest. You can feel it as the reader. Really? Yes, which is why Scar Tissue, I felt like he was pretty honest. Like it was it, it was real. I hear it's pretty fucking good. It's good. You know? It's good. And you could tell that like he he was very involved in every single page. You know what I mean? Right. Sometimes well, I wrote that thing by myself. I was involved. I, I, I wrote it involved in every page. Like I fucking wrote it. <laughs> I don't know if he wrote his. I mean, like he wrote it with someone. That's fine. Um, hey, I can't fucking sing or play a guitar. Yeah, that's true. Everyone thinks being a write, like writing a book is easy. It's not fucking easy oh. at all. That's why you're like, write the thinking one. And I'm like, I I'm trying. No, I need to. It's been three years. Everyone wants it. Never wants to know what the fuck happened. And everything, like a whole, like the universe was like, oh, you don't like responsibility? You don't want to grow up, honey? Here. I'm power of attorney over my mom. Both my parents get ill. The love of my life leaves me. Like, a fucking whole new level of reality. Yeah, but I also think that you have to really give yourself credit for dealing with it sober. But does that, yeah, does that level of responsibility, does that entice you to potentially, and I don't like trigger anything, but to use, or does that be like, okay, oh, now totally. I- totally. Or it, it doesn't like motivate you to be like, okay, I got responsibilities, I got to take care well, of it. Just give you like more of a purpose or, I guess that's kind of- It's both. Double. Yeah. I want to escape, and but it's like, what am I going to fucking really shoot coke at 50? Like, really? A lot of people are like, you're not an inspiration. And it's like, I don't, I can't let these people down. Like, I gave them hope that they could fucking get it after years and years of trying. And it's like, I can't let them down. It would kill my dad. That's why I think getting out, like dad. having it not be anonymous is a good thing because it holds you accountable to other yeah, people that you're that, helping. That you know? didn't stop fucking DJ AM. Yeah, that's It was true. way too much pressure and the guy ended up fucking overdosing and dying. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's so much pressure. You're like on this pedestal and it's like, hey, man. like people go when I write them back and I just go, oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed the book. Thank you, man. Like and they go, oh, my God, you wrote me back. They like fangirl out and like I'm like, I'm just a well, junkie success- that wrote a book. And no, I'm just you're like, a success story. It's inspirational for I know, them. But I'm just a fucking junkie that wrote a book. I don't. They're like, you're the nicest celebrity ever. I'm like, bitch, I'm not a celebrity. All my friends are like they think you're a, you're an asshole. Like. <laughs> So it's weird. It's both. The responsibility, again, they took care of me for years, right? How many rehabs did they fucking put me in? How many times did my mom fucking fly to fucking London when I slipped my wrist with a box cutter after I drank a bottle of wine? Yeah. I mean, I owe them. When When you did that, did you actually feel like you wanted to die in that moment? Yeah. That one, I would say yes. I mean, I, I, I... 
I was in, I, I was having a nervous breakdown. Who wants to date me? Don't let anyone listen to this fucking episode. Don't let anyone who's going to date me listen to this fucking. And I'm I got I got my shit together now. I mean, don't send this as the tape to be like, hey, I got this. I got this amazing. I got this girl. I want you to check out. Okay. Be like, she has a really good body, though. Be like, don't uh, don't take it from me. Take it from her. I yeah. I was. I had gotten off Prozac and I had been gotten my heart broken again and I was living in London and that weather alone will make you want to fucking slit your fucking throat high, right? I told you that. I took it there for it's, Christmas and it was not, a, she, I was, yeah. I couldn't get it. I mean, London's bed. cool as fuck, but the weather, oh, oh see ya. Yeah. I, if you if you have anxiety or depression and you it's you've... so gnarly yeah you're just like yeah I yeah. couldn't even open my eyes for me I was eyes. like look how beautiful the Christmas lights are she's like well I, I can't get out of bed till 4pm like, yeah. I know so I basically I got off Prozac because I thought that was keeping me from having an orgasm which is, was totally not the case Prozac's supposed to keep you from having an orgasm? well it can for a lot of people they don't like antidepressants because it keeps them from coming oh I didn't know that I learn something new every day okay so go but on but I'm that that well that's not true Okay. It was inside of me. It was someone else. I needed someone who like knew what the fuck they were doing. Oh, so, got it, got it, got it. You needed. You needed I needed. Someone. I needed to feel safe. Like a girl needs to feel safe. Yeah. To come. Like and comfortable too. I mean, so that's during, another thing. See, because guys don't need to feel like they. Yeah, they'll just fucking fuck you and like leave. And yeah. it's like, I mean, I understand that men have that, but it's like that's why now I'm like, I need to go slow. Like I tell someone, they're like, well, I've got to fucking. They're like, hey, good morning. I woke up thinking about you. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. They're like, no, I woke up thinking about you. I'm like. And then they, I'm like, oh. Yeah, we're fucking creeps. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, gross, dude. Like, you know. Yeah, you, yeah. Like, and I'm when you guys gonna... send a penis picture, it's like, oh. Oh, my God. I have a lesbian friend, and she uses my talking pet to make it into a talking penis picture. That's amazing. And then, yeah. And it's I for thought, the record, I, like I've a cowboy never, hat on pics. it and stuff. It's the fucking funniest That's thing. That's amazing. Ever. It's like, hey. You hungry? You like Wendy's? You're going <laughs> to like Wendy's nuts drag across your face. Like, and I'm just... <laughs> And I literally cried. That's I took. I want. I want to do that. I want someone to send me a dick pic, and I want her to have it like, like make make it talk and put a mustache on it and send it back to. The See, person. I never send the dick pic ever. I've never done it because no, I, he doesn't send the dick. Pic. I know. Listen, but let me tell you there's something. There's no way to make that look I good. I don't. Like, it doesn't. <laughs> there's no angle. There's no, no we thing, don't like, like want to see your throbbing dick with like your weird vein. Oh, like, right. No, all like I, sh- greasy. Gross. All with yeah. coconut oil. All I, shiny. I, and you think I'm gonna be like, ooh, like? I always think what these guys are thinking. I'm like, what is it? Like what? Like I think about like the asshole that's sitting there. Like okay, let's the angle. No, can I tell you? On Snapchat, I got this guy that was fucking a dildo off the uh, bathtub it was like this huge dildo and he was fucking it up his ass and he sent it to me while he wow. was beating his meat and I messaged wow. him back and I said I've screenshotted this and I'm going to make a collage on my blog like I have so many dick pics in a Ew. file to make a collage if you're going to send me a dick pic they're doing that now that you're married and have a kid oh yeah Oh that's yeah. so fucking disrespectful send me their address line. Taylor was that you <laughs> Taylor was that you back there <laughs> That was Taylor. <laughs> Taylor, don't get this. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I, that did work for me a couple times when I was a sex addict. Because the was dick like, pic. Yeah, because I was like, oh, this guy's packing. Okay. Yeah, if you they're know? not, what if they send you a, like a do, micro? Do girls send vag shots to guys? Yes, I, do? Do, I really? have done That's that in the thing? past. I have done that in the past. Guys like that. I've guys, sent you some naked shots. 
No, but I think it's a completely different. I mean, again, this can sound sexist. Guys but are it's visual, a, though. Guys are visual. Yeah, it's Men. a different thing when girl yes. when girl says, "Like, oh, that could get a guy turned on." But like, I just again, I just think about the guy that's like, hmm, "How do I get this girl?" Like, okay, I've never really met her. Like, yeah, I'm just it doesn't work. To her, like, it okay, work. got the the best idea. I'm gonna take a picture of my dick. Yeah, I'm gonna get it. Like, God forbid. Like, the weirdest maybe, thing is those people lead with that. They lead. That's with what I'm saying. Dick. It's like it's a weird. No, like, it's. You gotta I think about the guy that's. And Taylor with that. has a razor burn issue. It's like just a public service announcement. No one wants to see your razor burned dick with a vein throbbing out of but it. But also, so what girls, it for another day. What girls get hooked by the dick pic lead-in? That's too. what we're saying. Like, like, no, Taylor, Taylor like, you for oh, sure sent yeah. so <laughs> many nasty dick pics. Don't even fucking Taylor, send me some of those so I can make them sing. Taylor. Put a cowboy hat on them. Answer me truthfully on our friendship. Have you ever sent a dick pic? Yes. Were you beating it? It depends when. What were you dating the girl? Yes. See, that's different. You didn't. That's different. Yeah, I, I don't know. Different. I don't. I don't send. I don't go out like send rampant dick pics, like email blast dick pics. No way. Yeah, no, that's I a different. Mean, that's a different. That's thing. like sexting. That's different. Yeah, but you're not like you can't that's just okay leave. If it's, a, it's a, a relationship. So you haven't just sent a dick pic to no, a no, random no, girl. No, 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 I absolutely never. That I would don't believe be, you. No, are you kidding me? No, number one, I, I agree with Michael too that the dick pic lighting thing isn't like a thing. It's not like, oh, you just need to get that natural light. It's just very difficult. Like, to what do you get? You get a ring light or like you got to like stage yeah, exactly. it? Like ring light. <laughs> Someone should make diva lights for dicks because honestly, it's so unflattering. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like it's not like what, even, a filter for your dick. Yeah, do we even need a dick just like like chill out the veins yeah. a little oh, bit. Oh, veins exactly. too oh, much. Perfect. Dick tune. <laughs> Fucking smooth it. Dick tune. Oh my god, a million dollar idea. And vag tune. Yeah. Where you just kind of like like just like clean it all up a little bit. If only we had more time to execute on these other businesses, we would be billionaires. But we just we just don't. We don't have enough time in the day. <laughs> Um, I want to go back to when, and I know this is like a total twist, but I want to go back when you said that you took care of a quadriplegic. Okay. What was that like? It was fucking life-changing. It was amazing. I was so fucking sprung out at that point, but I, I needed a job and I this guy put an ad in for a, a video director seeking assistant. And I was like, oh my God, like back to my Hollywood roots. Like, cool, you know? <laughs> but like, I don't sound like that at all. And that's my fucking voice of my inner fucking jap, I guess. And so I showed up and it's like a loft in San Francisco and I knock and I'm like coming down from the day before and I'm like so fucking like ugh from from like just tweaked out for days and a guy a quadriplegic in an electric wheelchair opens the door and I was like I'd never I didn't have handicapped for a, other abled friends whatever the fuck you're supposed to say I don't even know and anyone who's going to give me shit like I read it in San Francisco and people like freaked out and it's like have you ever bathed a fucking a paraplegic? No. Have you ever put a fucking gloved finger up someone's ass to help them fu- to help them shit? No. Then don't fucking talk to me about the language, because I've lived this. Have you done that? No. Shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? They got really weird about it. Yeah. And I was like, so he said hi, and I said I and I I never I didn't know any handicapped people or other able whatever the fuck it is. And I was just like, I tried not to show anything. And he was like, come this way. And he was, and we were like, went through his thing. And he said, I said, I I thought this was a video director or assistant job. And he goes, it is. You're the personal assistant to me. And I was like, oh. And so there was this girl who worked in an AIDS hospice. And she goes, have you ever like worked in an AIDS hospice or worked with um, the elderly or worked with with paralyzed people? And I said, no. And he goes, have you ever dealt with shit? And I was like, I, I have a cat. 
I don't, you know what I mean? I was like, no. And he goes, well, I think you're really fucking funny. And I want you to try it. Like, I like your energy. And like, if it's not right for you, you can not. And I was just like, again, it was the year of yes. So I was like, bitch, don't be a pussy. Let's do this. I was like, let's show up. And it turned out to be the most incredible job of my life. Truly. I bathed this man. He had a catheter. I did exercises with him. I dressed him. I, I made his, I fed him. It changed the way that I saw disabled people. It changed, it made me see how fucking entitled I was. I was needed for the first time in my life. Someone really needed me. Like if I didn't show up at eight in the morning, that guy was lying in his own cold piss. Like I had to show the fuck up. And I was strung the fuck out at the time. And I never was late and I never missed a day. Give you purpose. It was, it, and also he he was he had been fine and he'd been in a motorcycle accident and fucking, and it just made you feel like you know you're bitching about your life like you can walk bitch like you can walk and it was just like yeah and I just it just became just his body and his personality was so fucking amazing I mean he was just like you knocking boots and I was like not really and he was like you better get through it because you never know you're gonna be on the bike and someone's gonna hit you boom. And you can't. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll get right on it. And he, like, loved Jimi Hendrix. There was Jimi Hendrix, like, posters all over his wall. He used to sing. And it was like he was the most joyful fucking person. Do you still talk to him? No. Would you? Yeah, of course. I called him when I was in treatment for the second time. You just had a falling out or just? No, well, I came to work and he looked at me and he knew I was high. And he said, I really love you as my assistant. I've lost way too many friends to uh, speed and I can't be around it. And so unless you need to quit if you're going to stay with me. And I was sort of in the first sort of love affair. It was the early days of my love affair with meth. And I didn't deny it. And I just said, well, I'm not ready to stop. And he said, okay. And I think I called him a couple years later from treatment. And I said, hi, I'm clean. And he was like, that's great. He said, I said, I just wanted to tell you, you're my favorite job. And he said, you're my favorite assistant. And I've never spoken to him since. Like I bet you ago. he was really happy that you were sober. Yeah. He had also just done acid and ate some girl out. So <laughs> I was like, all right. I mean, you know, he's, you know, wait, it, wait, was, wait, wait. it was San Francisco. Yeah. I was like, I, I'm, I'm clean. I'm in treatment. He goes, that's so great. I just did acid and ate some girl. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. Like. I want to ask you something about... This guy sounds like a fucking character. Yeah, he sounds like a character. He was wild. I want to ask amazing. you about COVID with AA because... Ugh, how about I, just COVID and depression? Well, oh, my fucking God. I was I was talking to my sister about this. She's in recovery. She's been eight years sober. That's and, amazing. Yeah, I'm really proud of her. And she said that it's hard because she, you're so used to going to the meetings yes. and stuff and having interaction. Yes. And now it's like you're home. Yes. What do you think that's going to do to the AA community? Well, I know what it's done. So basically, and I've written articles about this too. So basically... A big part of recovery, especially through 12-step, and just in general, is connection. And and because when you, again, we're going to talk about dopamine. When you're with other people and you don't feel less than and you feel connected, your dopamine rises. So now a big thing that drug addicts and alcoholics do naturally is isolate, especially when we shouldn't. When we're depressed, we isolate, we shut down, we don't answer the phone, which is exactly what we shouldn't do. And now we're being told to isolate. So what we've seen is a huge increase in overdoses, 
uh, a huge increase in depression, a huge increase in suicides. I've just, a lot of my friends have relapsed. Uh, a lot of friends have really been depressed. There's Zoom meetings, but it's so not, the same. It's not the, it's not the fucking, it's like the Brady Bunch, man. It's not the same. It's like everyone's facing a box. You have no interaction. It's just not the fucking same. And I rehash this quote all the time on the show. I said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And it's like, it, with this pandemic, I did this story the other day and I was like, people are looking at it from the frame of reference. Like, oh, got to stop the spread. Got to stop the spread. And like, that's how we started. But they're not, and it, and it started with probably good intentions to be safe and protect people, but they're not factoring in all these things. Like what's happening to addicts? Like what's going on with the suicide rates? Like there's, like what's going on with people's business? Like all these things restaurant are- Restaurant owners. Like, rest, like there's, you're, they're putting so much into the world right now. And they're like looking at this one stat of what happens if you get sick and get this illness. And there's a 0.001% chance. And also if you have pre-existing condition that you go but like they're not looking at like what's happening to people in addiction what are happening to people that are seriously depressed what's happening with suicide like nobody's bringing up those stats i guarantee you this year all of those things are skyrocketing oh well everyone's drinking i mean the amount you'll of see more deaths from all of that every, well okay liquor stores are considered essential so everyone's day drinking so if you drink long enough you're gonna fucking create a physical addiction to alcohol so i think that there's going to be a new wave of alcoholics for me, it's been really hard. I've been extremely depressed. I want to see what happens with the numbers this year with all of these. Like, I think you're looking, the people are looking at this one subset of numbers with COVID. They're not looking into like what's happening in these communities. And Rehabs are full. Yeah. I mean, rehabs are full. And there are some outside in-person meetings. But, you know, you have to think a lot of people who are in treat or who are in recovery are going to have fucking other issues. They're going to have fucking hep C. They're going to have diabetes. They're going to have other stuff. You know what I mean? It's like... I've been really paranoid. You're the first people I've seen, really. Yeah, I moved it once already. I pushed it once. We're so the I, first people you've seen. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, aside from my eyelash girl. <laughs> Wait, so you said that you feel really depressed. Is it because you haven't seen anyone? Is well, I work from home, first of all. So that's one thing. I live by myself. And... Yeah, I've been kind of quarantining, and so it's been really depressing. It's and not. It's, it's like, not how humans are supposed to live. No, it's, it's so not how, and also, I do a lot better when I have a partner. It just I do better when I even when my roommate was here and he went back to New York. Even when he was here, I just did a lot better. Are you sure about that? Because honestly, sometimes it's so fucking annoying living with someone. <laughs> oh, I know. I've lived with some. I've lived with people. I was married and I my, there lived are with my pros ass. of living alone. Of course. People go to me, they go, this guy's not a doctor. He's not an economist. He's not all these things. I'm like, yeah, but like, does that mean I'm not somebody that's able to ask the, like the questions that we're asking here, which is like, is this pandemic doing the policies we've put in place, which legal, not legal, that's up for debate. Like, are they actually helping or are they hurting more and are they agitating other problems in a much bigger way? Like if we look at just the, the, the community, the addiction community and like, and we look at suicides and we look at people in recovery, like what's happening with those numbers? I guarantee but people are looking that, at yeah, Part high. of that's the isolation. Part sure. of that is the financial strain. But, that's what, what but, I mean? it's, but it's like all, all fabricated that. through yeah, all these things. Yeah, but I things. mean, th there's been an upside too where it, now I can go to meetings in England. Mm -hmm. Now I'm connected to people all over the fucking world. But how many you know? are actually going into these meetings via Zoom compared to people that are just like, fuck it, I'm not, I, don't, I can't go, I'm not going. People go, people go. When there's other things that have come popped up, like to the, like the Luckiest Club out of Laura McCowan's book, and I I lead that. What's that? Do um, I need to read that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can read that. The I, Luckiest Club. But her, her her book is called We Are the Luckiest. I think other like pandemic pop up support groups have shown up and stuff like that. And I don't know. Some people have gotten sober during the pandemic. 
there's a good time to work on yourself. Like I just, I dove in. I was like, let's fucking deal with this like attraction to fucking emotionally unavailable people. Like I can't. Yeah. yeah, I think my only and people are like I haven't been in a relationship in 17 years. I'm like challenge accepted. <laughs> I'm like I can't do that any fucking more. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, no, I think like <laughs> there's there's going to be good and bad stories, but I I think like it's it's important for people to not just look at one set of stats, right? Like you're mm -hmm. like okay, like people that are sick or how many are recovery but like i think it's also important to say like okay like what's happening to suicide rates what's happening with depression mm -hmm. what's happening here? like i think we got to look at all the numbers not just this one subset of what do you do when you feel depressed like in quarantine what what are your tools sleeping what is it, what about do you do you call a sponsor do you yeah, I have take a, sponsor, a walk i call my sponsor i've cried a lot i i need to write the second book i mean that will help me through it this is the perfect fucking time to do it I got nothing to do. Fucking do it. How you did know? you do the first one? Did you do it an hour a day? You no, know, no. But the first book was 20 years in the fucking making. You know what I mean? It uh -huh. was like I had been I had been chronicling that stuff all while I lived it. All that dialogue is real. It's a pressure to write the second one, huh? Because yeah, the, the because first also one. everyone loves the first one and it's so gnarly. And it's like where I feel like I kind of blew my load. Like I have some crazy you didn't stories, blow your load. but it's like. But everyone's like, we just want to hear your voice. Like, we yeah. just want to hear your voice. And it's like, it's not going to be the same book. It's not going to be like all the crazy stories. It's going to be different. Tell it's us be about your podcast. Thing. It's called Rehab Confidential. It's with Joe Schrank, who started The Fix, the magazine The Fix. He's a uh, clinical social worker and an interventionist and uh, a sober companion. And I guess we have like, we've done about three and a half months worth. One a week via Zoom, so our sound sucks. He's kind of a dick. We just sort of learned everything. He's like, let's start a podcast. I'm like, okay. And it was like, I had no idea how fucking much work it was. I was what like, a similar story. I was like, oh my God. This is like having, now he and I have like this child together. Do you know what I mean? And there's a sound guy and there's a this and the website and the that. And I'm like, oh, do oh we, my. Do we know what right? you mean? Right? And I was, like, I was like, holy fuck. And then the booking and the this and that. And it's like. Yeah, so it's basically we talk to politicians, we talk to celebrities, we're having Colin Quinn on, we're talking, we talked to Kristen Johnson, we just talked to the uh, principal of, did you see 16 and Recovering, the MTV show about the North Shore Recovery High School? No. Oh, that's that? totally your world. Oh my God, I yeah, gotta watch it's it. Like, it's like, it's a school for, for people Reco in recovery well, yeah, or trying it's to. It's on MTV? Yeah, it's called 16 Recovering. We had the principal, Michelle Lipinski, on. We had on Ryan O'Callaghan, who was the first NFL player to come out as gay and who had a fucking oxy problem. We had on just, we've had amazing guests and we're also not like the AA, like, yay, and I got sober and my life was happily ever after with sparkles and unicorns. Yay, my higher power. Like, we're talking the real shit. And we're talking about how rehab doesn't work. And we're talking about fucking body brokering. And we're talking about drug policy. We're having politicians on. We recorded an episode with Chris Swanger, the uh, the head and uh, CEO of the Spirits Lobby, going, hey, man, like 8% of people can't fucking use your product safely. What are you going to do about it? For a lot of people, it's sort of what they've been looking for, like a, like a real shit, the real shit. I don't understand why everyone... Like, you don't become, like, angelic when you get into recovery. Like, you can still be cool and a badass and, like, swear and, like, be curious about things and push back on things. Well, probably in a clearer way than you could if you were using. Yeah, but a lot of people get in recovery and they feel like they've got to fucking follow this narrative of what it looks like. 
even online. Like, and religion's a big part of religion. I don't know if you saw this morning. I was like totally nervous about coming on. I'm like, I don't know why these fuckers want me on, but like, it's a really big podcast, you guys. Why do people tell us that? Like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I, what I always tell people, I'm like, hey, it's like, it's like, it's be like if we were having a really long, intimate dinner. And just like I know, but I was why, like, why wouldn't we want you on? You're so interesting. But I, my requirement to come on this podcast is don't be boring. That's the requirement. Oh, well then, <laughs> then you're, let's you're, all get Meryl. Yeah, like, let me, what let me what are you with talking you guys? about? Like, <laughs> that's the, what do you mean? Why we would want you on? Do you want more stories? I want bring them out, please. <laughs> Listen, we want somebody. We'll, you'll come back on. Like, you wanted we, to ask. You wanted to ask some sex stuff. Yeah. Oh well, no, I wanted. I, no, I think. Oh, what my my question was. We're about squirting. We can talk about squirting. Um, listen, with I love Taylor. You, does Taylor's there, beating off in the Taylor? Certain, you want to talk about squirting? There's certain people who like a real have, thing. I've heard people. Yes, say Yes, I am a squirter. I became a squirter at fucking 42 years old. It's fucking. I is squirting piss or is it is it not piss? Like that's the that's there the is, debate. There is a it's debate. It's a mix of fluids, right? It's a mix okay, of fluids. so I would prefer to think that it is not piss. It might have a little layer. Of yes, piss. I think it has a tiny bit of piss in it um <laughs> my ex-boyfriend was like i don't give a fuck what it is it's fucking rad it's different than piss it's very clear and sweet it is the sweet nectar it's divine nectar <laughs> taylor and, loves it taylor's um, drinking it in his office it's like the thing that feeds I, the hummingbirds it happened to me out of the blue and i was like what in the fuck's going on i was like how do i you I, can't do drugs but you can squirt so that sounds fun yeah well we're, we're not right now I haven't squirted for anyone for three years she's yeah. available you're available I know but I don't Old want people who just want I know right <laughs> what did you say Old Faithful fucking you know you've got to get like a special like thing for your bed it's like a whole deal like some guys when I was a squirter when I was a sex addict and some guys were kind of like you got to give people a heads up like not everyone wants to be waterboarded like get down there and like <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you've got to, it's like a clown flower. You're like it's so pretty. Ah! You've got to give people a heads up. Okay. What was the it first time it, you had an encounter with it? Taylor, calm down back there. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, tell me more. I know, God. <laughs> What's like a hidden talent? Like, did you just all of a sudden you were just in having intercourse? This and is all why of a I put like you go? normally like producers have the glass. You can see them. I put this way the fuck up. I don't want to make eye, I don't want to make any eye contact. Taylor wants to know all the history of how you started. Um, okay, so. I didn't put this in the book because I wasn't out with it yet. But during my sex addiction, I didn't even tell. I w dated this guy for about six months and he was older than me and he was really kind to me. And uh, he, I felt really safe. The first time I was with him, I came seven times and squirted. And I had never come with really anybody, like very rarely. And I was like, are you a wizard? Like, what the fuck's going on? Like, and he was quite large too. I was like, you're fat. I was like, but my pussy was like, we like him. And I was like, what's going on? He knew what the fuck he was doing. He'd been super studly and I felt really safe with him. And he thought I was just like the hottest thing on the planet. And, but I was like, what's going on? He's like, you're squirting. And I was like, I don't want to do that all the time. And yeah. Well, now, so I went to the gynecologist and I said, so this has started happening and how do I stop it? And she goes, one squirter, always squirter. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. So people have made me do it in public and it's not fun. What do you mean in public? What? <sighs> yeah, like you're at dinner and all of a sudden you're just squirting. One guy I dated could do it just with eye contact. The no po way. The, the polyamorous guy in the book. Yeah, Xander. He would look mean? at you? He would just be like, squirt for me. No, you don't, just, you can't do that to me with that contact. Is it, <laughs> was it his voice? Work harder. Well, talk about feeling inadequate. No, it was, <laughs> so it was awful. And also like, so then all of a sudden you're just like, 
like a bucket of water's going on the fucking concrete. And you're like, you look like you've pissed your pants. You're like, I want to fucking die. Do I have to carry pants around with me? It's fucking weird. And have it's you ever slept with someone that blows their load in 30 seconds every time? No. Okay, hold on. The premature so, so you're telling me that you, you, she was a sex addict, Taylor, and she has never encountered your problem. No, but I think a lot of women have. Yeah, it, it's. I think it's. It's something that's more or less not. It's less noticeable. You may like, for instance, have you ever? No, I don't think no, it's that's noticeable. Not really, thirty seconds is noticeable. <laughs> well, yeah, thirty seconds a minute. I mean, potato, potato. Uh, I mean, I think you need. I think you need to be in like therapy for that. No, I so edgy, no, edging, edging helps a lot. I no longer have an issue with it. But well, it was, what it was like edging. Yeah, edging. no one knows. I'm surprised. That that is. A, I'm surprised. What's I'm edging? I kind of heard of it. There is a very much. Um, I agree with you. Like there probably you try is and a, come and then you, you almost come and then you stop. Yeah. See, I know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I think, think there is probably therapy in his future, if not tomorrow, <laughs> soon. Like, I think like that would be. Well, it's better than fucking someone losing your boner, which has happened to me and fucking killed my fucking soul. Hey, but yeah, let me, that's not hold fun. on. But like, but that's sometimes you're like, oh my god, I want to die. Sometimes now. that has I cry, nothing. I cry. I cry every time. Yeah, which that's really, not fun. And then guys are like, it's not about you, and I'm like, <laughs> like it's fucking terrible. But, but that's true. Sometimes it's not about the woman. Right. And it doesn't happen too often, but well, like, that's what whiskey you know. dick is a thing, and it's definitely it has nothing to do with that. It's just like you drink too much, you're like, oh no. So you, it happens to you a lot. No, it's it's, <laughs> happened, it's happened to every guy at some point in their life, like from just drinking a lot. Okay. Well, that, anyway, whatever makes uh, you sleep at night. <laughs> so when I I was celibate for two and a half years, and I went and had coffee with someone that I was attracted to, and I just was like, you know, I warned him. I was just like, hey, like heads up, like I haven't fucked anybody or even kissed anybody in two and a half years so like but I, I, I was a squirter and like I don't so I don't know if like dust is gonna come out of my pussy or what's gonna happen just like heads up and he was just like why are you even telling me this for coffee yeah of okay. course you know when you go to so like so I was like oh cool I'm still a sex addict even though like that's right a hell now, of an icebreaker I know because I was like fucking trying to hook him right and I was like one. also I want to see if that was his kink or he was creeped out by it and then I lunged at him at that parking lot and kissed him and then I was like, I got to go. I got to go. Like, I feel something weird happening. Like, I got to go. And I got in my car and he got in the car and he reached over and he like touched the zipper of my pants and I squirted all over the fucking car and I wanted to fucking die. So when you unleash it, it just unleashes. It's yeah, like a and fountain. I was like, I was like, he goes, oh, wow, you weren't joking. And I was like, how bad is it? And I showed him my ass. He goes, uh, do you have extra jeans? I have a friend that told me she can fill up a gallon of milk. I believe Jesus it. Christ. You it's can, like it's a sea lot. world. It's, a lot. You know, there's like it's the very splash weird. Zone. It's very weird. Taylor, have you ever Shamu's had a Shamu's going to get in the splash zone. No, never, never. My ex was super into it. He would oh. drink that shit. He was totally into it. Because you I'm know sure what? I'm sure there's guys listening right now that are into well, it. Well, you can't fake it. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, how do you fake something like that? <laughs> you, know? you can't fake it. Well, they do in porn. They'll take like a like a thing that like like what is it? A like, fake an squirter. enema thing. And yeah, they'll fucking put you guys are all beating off to fake squirters. You mean they're not real orgasms in porn? What? My whole life's a lie. <laughs> anyway, I don't want all these creepies getting next. I, oh, I, I, think, I think you're going to get a couple creepies in oh, your inbox. Great. Sorry to tell you. So, yeah, let's 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 change track. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, I, look, I think there's a million angles we could go here. I, the thing I wanted to know about sex addiction was how to distinguish between like someone that actually has a real problem compared to people that are just doing it as a cop. And I think you kind of answered it. It's like, well, it feels. Yeah, it's. You fuck people you don't want to fuck. You fuck when you don't want to. It's affecting your life. There are negative consequences. You're not using protection. 
Because we all have those friends in our life like, oh, my partner did this, but like they're a sex addict or they're a porn addict. It's like, no, they got caught and they're like trying to get the fuck out I of mean, it. I mean, you're not, it's not an enjoyable thing. I would come home and cry and, and it was like, it was awful. It was just, it felt exactly like my drug addiction, like driving, I would be shaking. And like, it was like going to meet the dope man and stuff like that. And then I would go home and I'd feel like fucking garbage. If someone is listening and they're struggling with sex addiction, because we've never had someone that has talked about this openly on the podcast or drug addiction, what what are some steps that you would tell them to take? And I know you can't give blanket advice because that's kind of like it's not. Like- I would say don't feel fucking ashamed about it. Like it's something it's a process addiction, like gambling. So anything that you can trigger, like anything that gets you a flood of dopamine, you can become addicted to shopping. It's a process addiction. So, you know, it, it for me, it was about validation. For me, it was about escape. It's usually not about sex. It's usually about avoiding intimacy. There's no intimacy there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then so it's like, it's exciting. It's like, it's like, it's very on the DL and blah, blah, blah. And like, whatever. But it can become really dark. I would say to seek out help. I mean, you definitely need to seek out some help. Mine, I... I I fell in love and it went away and then, well, it didn't go away. I just channeled it into like being like a super aggressive, horny person in my relationship where I was like, are you going to fuck me tonight or what? And he was like, oh my God, like, well, that voice is hot. So, but then after that, I just completely shut down. So, So now I'm called with sexually anorexic, I guess, where you're not, it's not healthy. It's not, it's not recovery. It's me being shut down. It's me being afraid to act out my old behaviors. It's me being afraid to be hurt again. So now I just have shut down until he finds my soulmate. Yeah, Michael, start yeah, looking. Michael, come on. Now. Look around. Michael, look around. I like tattoos. Michael does have some I cute like friends. Fucking... Michael has some friends with tattoos. I got some friends. I want someone who's smart and funny. And is it if if someone has a strong personality, I'll be like, "Ah." like I can be that weird girl. Like uh, if you've got a lot of masculine energy, I'll go into my feminine. I'll be like, oh my god. So I'm not always always like, yeah, what's going on? You know, I'm not always like that. (laughs) No, I want to find you, dude. That's like they gotta. I I think that you you would. I don't know you that well just today, but like I think you need somebody that can match your energy and not be insecure if you were putting out that. Like I think a lot of guys that can't deal with a woman that has a little bit of masculine energy, like there's there's an issue there with that guy. You gotta watch out. Like I like, for me, like I like strong women. It's not that I don't want a woman. It's just like I also don't want someone that's going to be like doting over me or like not checking me if I get out of line. Yeah. I would walk all over that person. I couldn't do it. I need well, I need someone, yeah. that, I need someone like my wife that's going to be like, no, 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 motherfucker, like get it together. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I want someone who's not threatened. I mean, I, I don't yes. I don't think I'm successful. Why is but like, so hard to find? I don't know. It's so, so I don't know. Especially in L.A. <laughs> Like, what is well, going on? Well, I was on? born and raised here. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're lucky you're married. And it's like, it's just. Yeah, but he's from San Diego. That's why I want you to, I want him to look around because he's from San Diego. It's a different energy. What's weird is young guys are really attracted to me. And I'm kind of like, mm, well, you, you know look, what I mean? You don't look 50. Well, yeah. And I act like I'm 13. So it's like. <laughs> Taylor's like, Michael, do you know the tattoo? You're tattoo yeah, he's tattooing. He's tattoo right I now. love that Taylor talks so openly about his fucking just like like premature ejaculation. Taylor like, has talked about fisting on this podcast. Wow, premature. Right. You yeah. asked if you could cuss before you came on this podcast. He's talked about his problem. He's talked about how he stripped at my wedding. Listen, and- there's been some wild shit said on this show, but I would say like, not this might be some of the wildest, but it's not. Taylor, like, it's in line Taylor with some of the other a, things we've done Taylor here. has a, a wild I think we, I mean, I'm not saying this stuff to brag or anything because it's not like, some people are like, ew, gross. Like some people are like, that's fucking gross. Fuck those and, people. Yeah. <laughs> 
Taylor's obviously in the square. And also, by um, the way, if but the- it's like I can't help it. It's a bodily thing. Like, what do you fucking want me to do? Like, it means that I'm super hot for you. Like, it started on its own, and I there's I don't know how to control it. We got a review it's the like- other day, and it said like. There's some cussing on this show. I can't believe it. I was. I think. I, I just oh, think about God. that. Imagine that person tuning into this episode. You know, I, mean, what, I, I think Pavlov's it's important. Dog, the, the, the Pavlov's bell, where he rang a bell, gave the dog a treat, yes, rang dear. the bell, and then yes. the dog yeah. starts salivating. You're basically you've been conditioned like that because now you don't get the treat, but you ring the bell and you start to squirt. Like right. The, remember, right. you said that I don't get what he's saying. He's right. someone explain it in English. The way he explains things is super. Confusing. He's saying she was conditioned in a way, but then like you take that conditioning away. But the he's t- right. I, I don't even need to be fucked. Like someone can just like touch the fucking zipper of my jeans, and I'll fucking. I mean, I get that. Like, I hear a vibrator, and I'm like, oh my god, I need to have sex. Like, it's you like know, you start like to you, hear, yeah, yeah, like now, keep... like I'm like, huh. but it was like, I mean, I haven't squirted since that weird incident. Okay, we gotta get you some coconut oil lube. I'm gonna get your address. Oh my god, I used to. That's what I used to just use coconut oil. Okay, well we got. Gotta get you some lube. We gotta get you these uh, the new vibrator that just I mean, launched. Yeah, but when I was when I used to have vibrators, then I couldn't come with anybody. Like it makes you it has the bar so high. Like yeah, but they're fun to use with somebody. Did okay. you use that Hitachi wand? That big. Yes. Thing? How did you know, <laughs> fucker? <laughs> <laughs> I like totally desensitized yeah. my pussy. People are like, do you have a callus on your pussy? Like, <laughs> I, I had that big fucking shoulder massager when I was married. I just lay on that thing like yeah. fucking five times a day, and then like nobody can compare to that. So I stopped. Yeah, that and thing's then, too. T- that thing's too much. That's yeah, too much. and then now I can come with people again. Like, that thing's meant for massaging. Yeah, because it desensitizes you. Yeah. That okay, thing is meant on. for massaging massive knots out of your back and neck. It's <laughs> maybe you won't like the maybe you won't like the woo vibrator. No, nobody's <laughs> using that to massage. The anything. woo vibrator is like it's. it's I live in a building where every my fucking friends can hear me on the phone. I don't want to fucking be like ah. Okay, okay, but we'll send you lube. Just I'm like find some a guy okay, who has his hunt. own place. I'm yeah. on the hunt. No, I'm fucking rad. I'm a rad girlfriend. Yeah, I, can't, I, I can't cook, but I'll do your fucking laundry. I'm a good fuck. I'm a very loving person. I'm super Taylor, loyal. Taylor, that's the clip I'll pull. I'll say, we'll just put that. That's what I'll send out. Like, hey, like, here's the clip. Don't let them read the books. Yeah. Somebody was using the Hitachi wand last night and blew the power out in LA. That's how big they are. That is not true. <laughs> but that did. I mean, did you got, yeah, the wand for two minutes, all of West Hollywood. I was like, what's happening? Taylor knows two minutes too well. Okay, so you can oh, read her book. so much fun. You can come back Anytime We're Bob have Forrest back. came back twice. You can come back anytime you want. Yeah, you- but he's Bob Forrest. Yeah, but so you're- we don't. We love to have interesting, dynamic people on here. I don't care how many followers they have. I don't care how famous they are. If you're interesting and dynamic, like you, you can come back anytime you want. Okay. Like message. I literally me. live around the corner. Good. Great. Great. So if someone back. drops out, you'd be like, "Ain't you guys could be like, Amy, get your fucking ass." Be over careful. Here. Be careful. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Might have to, we'd have to kick some of the people You honestly people can come back anytime because I have well, obviously you guys, more questions. I'm get, Michael's going to find my boyfriend. So, Michael's going to yeah. find your boyfriend. I need to start writing my book. No, you're right. But I also okay. think you and Michael need to talk offline about See, this is the fucking energy all the guests that come on this show need to bring, Amy. Like, yeah. I'm Aww. pumped. Yeah. You are welcome back. Open invitation anytime you want. Um, well, you guys are fucking lovely and you thank just made you. me laugh and just felt made me feel open and fucking safe. And I just think it's really important to talk about all this shit. It's so important right? to talk about it because it takes the stigma out of it. Of course. It. That's see, that's what breaks stigma is being open about it and saying, "Hey, man, you know what? I fucking recovered, and now I'm like, I'm a little fucked up." But if someone comes around and is like, "I like you," yeah, and is like, "Let's work through your shit," and I'm seeing this coach, like, I'll work through it. You know what I mean? You have to talk about it. I hope that we can continue to break barriers with this podcast and talk about things that people think are taboo. So anytime you want to come on, if you have a, if you want to text me an ideas list, come back on anytime. Okay. 
Read her book, you guys. My Fair Junkie. I got it, it off. I got got it off Amazon, and I also have it on the book. Maybe app. we'll get like three candidates, and there'll be another <laughs> mic, and we can have them come yeah. in, and you can we can. Maybe they can show their dick. You can, you can, we can all, we can interview them together. See who makes their score. And I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it sing and put sunglasses and mustache on And whichever one makes their score But I want to make sure before they do the dick pic that we get that app going to make the, you know, the face tune for the dick and then we get the ring light for them. Right, dick tune. Yeah. Taylor, trademark trademark dick tune What's your Instagram handle and what's your website? Where can everyone find you? Uh, Amy Dresner. I'm Amy Dresner on Twitter, Instagram. You'll see this morning where I was like all like doing, blowing out my Jufro and I'm like, what's up with my puffy eyes? And I'm like, look, I'm putting prescription hemorrhoid cream because I'm puffy. That works. That works. Thank under you. The thank you. Fucking love it. It does thank work. You. It oh, tightens the under eyes. No. Hemorrhoid cream. Yeah. It Right? Yeah, it works. Prescription. You have prescription hemorrhoid cream, I don't cream, have bitch? prescription. Yeah, I got to get prescription. Yeah. Don't tell that to anyone either. And no, you- cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on, yeah, Amy Dresner everywhere. Amy Dresner's my website. Rehab Confidential on Instagram. Rehab Confidential on Twitter. And if your Twitter's funny. You're funny. Thank you. with my mic. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Yeah, if you're, uh, if you're in recovery, I think, or know someone or just want to learn more, my, my co-host is a total dick. I'm going to listen to your he's podcast. A, he's a fucking dick. I want to listen. I can't he, wait. He's, we're very different, but we may, it's interesting. We laugh a lot. Well, you're a hoot. Come back anytime. Thank you, honey. Thank you, Amy. That was fun. Let us know your favorite part of this episode with Amy on my latest Instagram at the skinny confidential and someone from the team will slide into your inbox and send you some new cheeky skinny confidential stickers. Make sure you've rated and reviewed the podcast and we'll see you next Tuesday. 